Welcome to Our Story, a podcast where ordinary people share extraordinary stories. My name is Atherva, and today I'm joined by the Kalin brothers, Sheffield and Clifford Kalin. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. How you doing, man? Good. I'm, I'm doing well. So good to hear from you guys. It's been a long time. I know, Chef, you and I, last time we saw each other was probably graduation, so about five years ago. Uh, I think I saw you once since then. You came back to New Jersey and uh we toured the uh, new engineering building i believe yeah, yeah oh that's right you were i don't think it was planned because you were no, just, no it wasn't yet you, you just happened to be in the engineering building I remember. well i was coming home from work and then there was an accident on the 295 and you were in an uber and you're telling me oh get off the highway <laughs> <laughs> so. i do remember that yes yeah <laughs> yep and then uh cliff uh, i can't recall the last time our paths have crossed buddy it probably was Chef's graduation. Like, I uh, probably saw you there, and that was probably it. <laughs> that was probably it. But before then, we've spent a lot, a lot, a lot of hours together in the engineering building itself. Uh, you know, Chef and I are the same grade. Uh, we took a lot of the same classes and struggled through the same coursework. Uh, spent a lot of nights in uh, the engineering building. And Cliff, uh, you did all of that just uh, three years ahead of us. <laughs> yep, yep. I, uh, I had a bear through my uh, burden there getting through those uh, four engineering years but they were they were fun good memories don't Most want to repeat definitely. it but good memories <laughs> <laughs> very well said don't i wouldn't do it again uh, nope. but i love every second of it <laughs> yep cool so let's uh, kind of take a step back and uh, get to know you guys a little better and see you know how that led to our paths crossing at Lula university so, gentlemen, if I were to look up your names in Wikipedia, uh, what would that first paragraph say for you guys? Uh, Sheffield, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, well, uh, born and raised in New Jersey. I really haven't moved around much. Uh, so, I, I guess starting with elementary school, I was homeschooled K through 12. Um, so, after that, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and you know, playing with architectural engineering. I played with the idea of a history major and uh, ended up on the electrical and computer engineering application and uh, applied to Rowan. So Rowan was only like 15, 20 minutes down the street. So that seemed like a logical place to go. And uh, let's see, we <laughs> did four years of intensive education, which like you and Cliff said, would be happy never to do it again and got hired with uh, Lockheed Martin Been working there since 2015. I had internship in 2014 and uh, started a master's degree, hopefully finish things soon. Uh, beyond that, I enjoy hiking. I still play with Legos. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess that's it for now. Okay, very cool. And Cliff, I know you're the older brother in the family, and you said about three and a half year gap between you two. Is that correct? Yep, yep. I, I'm three and a half years. So I was born in '89. Chef was born in '92 at the very end, and uh, same uh, similar paths. So Chef and I ended up liking a lot of the same things, or I guess I should say, Chef liked a lot of the same things I did since I liked <laughs> the first. Um, but yeah, we were homeschooled, um, did a lot of activities uh, with some local churches and uh, had a core group of friends growing up. We would hang out pretty much every weekend, sometimes for the entire weekend, Friday through Saturday or Sunday and sleeping over each other's houses and stuff. And 
uh, playing a lot of board games, a lot of Legos growing up. I also still uh, enjoy my Legos, especially while we're in a lockdown. I've been building a few sets to help pass the time. It's been nice. But growing up uh, homeschooled, mom and dad split those, uh, those uh, teacher, parent-teacher roles. And then attended some community college senior year to get some uh, lab work out of the way for college. And yeah, uh, ended up going the, the same path as you guys with electrical and computer engineering at Rowan. Like Chef said, not too far away in a very highly ranked program and the, the price was right. So uh, finished that up and now I've been working for the Federal Aviation Administration for 11 years this month. I think it's uh, a few more days away and my 11th year anniversary. And a couple of those were interning. Um, and uh, in my spare time, I also enjoy hiking a lot. Um, I have a couple side jobs, a YouTube channel, and uh, work on cars on the side. So I think that's the, the quick synopsis. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty incredible and a lot to dissect there. So let's start at the uh, beginning. You mentioned you both were homeschooled. And, you know, for someone who's yeah. been... Uh, in daycare since before I could crawl, I believe, because, you know, both my parents were working at the time. Uh, I've only known the setting of, you know, teacher, classroom type setting. What was homeschooling like? Can you kind of give us a, a picture of that setting? So, um, like I said, parents uh, both split the roles. Um, so, mom and dad, mom focused on the reading and writing and uh, the, the arts and making sure we got lots of field trips out to museums and stuff. So that was the, the area she focused on. And then my dad, more of the uh, core subjects of math and science and making sure that. Um, and history. And history. <laughs> yes. My dad's a big history buff and he, he passed that on to us. Uh, so he took on those subjects. So my parents kind of split it up, you know, the subjects they were good at. Um, my mom's not the, as good at math as my dad and my dad's not as into literature and stuff as my mom. So, uh, they balanced each other out. It worked well. Um, but I think the, the best thing about the homeschooling was the, the flexibility. We were able to focus on the subjects that were, uh, more of a struggle and spend less time on the subjects that were easier for us. So I think that was definitely a benefit. We didn't get held up in classes that we were strong at and didn't get left behind in classes with, that were more of a struggle for us. Um, and as far as the curriculum, basically, um, uh, there's a lot of universities that actually produce curriculum for homeschoolers, uh, the same curriculum that'll go out to uh, normal K through 12 schools and you get teachers packets, test booklets and, and all those uh, student workbooks. Um, and just you basically go through just like you would in a normal classroom setting, except um, honestly, from talking to a lot of my classmates at Rowan, we actually got through a lot more, I think, than uh, a lot of kids do in a traditional uh, setting. Yeah, Depending that's interesting. On the you're going to. <laughs> Very true. And the interesting thing you said was, you know, the flexibility part, because if, you, if I think back on my years, if I didn't keep up with my classroom, I was either, you know, putting in extra hours just on my own or, you know, that stuff just, you know, never stuck with me. And then on the other end where I would just be bored in class uh, and some of those things that I was like, all right, well, I already know this, but I feel like it was especially tailored to you guys individually. So that's really interesting. Uh, but one thing I'm more curious about is how did like grades and tests and, you know, that classic school uh, environment work for you guys? 
Uh, I, I, I could take this one. Uh, so yeah, it was grades, tests. Uh, a lot of it was just like, like Cliff said, a lot of universities kind of give out like uh, workbooks, uh, textbooks. So um, Cliff and I both had one university that worked pretty well for us. You know, we kind of worked through the math and the science all from their curriculum. Um, we have a little brother and he, he kind of struggled with that curriculum a little bit so that they changed universities and he's been doing better. It's just like a, a different layout of, you know, how they break up the work and how it's organized. Um, still learning the same math and science. It's just presented in a different manner. Um, and he's been doing really well with that. Um, he's 15 now. So, um, so grading, uh, we kind of just took the workbooks, you know, we'd work through um, the problems at the end of each chapter. Like I'm thinking particularly of math and science right now. And we'd work through the problems and at the end, you know, we said we finished the chapter, they'd hand us a test and we took the test and what they would have is they would have a grade sheet provided with the curriculum and we would hand them the test and they would grade it and uh, they would kind of just catalog all of our grades in Excel and uh, we kind of used those when we we're making our applications to college. I, college was much more based off of your SAT scores than anything else. I, I think Rowan looked at like class rank and SAT scores. Uh, one of one. Class rank was, was a little hard to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we actually talked to like the, the admission staff and we're homeschooled, like what's our class? And they're just like, just put one. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, SAT scores were highly influenced, um, highly influenced uh, the college um, applications and scholarships and stuff like that. And of course, on the SATs, you also need to know a lot of reading comprehension and writing. Um, so that was more of a MOS focus. That was honestly less about like exams and grades. And it was more of like, well, here's a book I want you to read. And, and very often it was like Charles Dickens or Alexander Dumas and uh, kind of like the, the classic um, authors. Um, and, you know, she has a book, tell us to read it. And Cliff and I, from a pretty young age, both really enjoyed reading. So that was never much of a struggle for us. Like we kind of just were happy to read, you know, we, we would stay up until 10 PM at night reading and, or midnight sometimes <laughs> so it was uh so that, so that was much less about getting a grade and more about you know just getting through volumes of reading okay very cool so you, this dynamic is actually sounding more appealing to me now the way you describe it the reason being i remember reading books in school was probably my least favorite thing to do i hate reading because... books <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because you're forced to answer questions and you're reading it for an assignment, I feel like, yep. and not necessarily reading it for the content. Um, yeah. But it sounds like uh, the way it was set up for you guys was uh, not the case. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And then uh, the part where you said, uh, you know, you were given curriculum in a textbook, like, uh, was it setting more of just like a one-on-one -on -one tutoring? Like, how would you learn? Would you just read in through the problems or were there videos uh, or like, was there like a room in your house which was a classroom where you know your parents would teach you and so we did have a classroom uh we didn't really it, we kind of used it in the early years um i would say pre like fifth or sixth grade you know we each had our own little desks um but like chalkboard yeah there was a chalkboard you know there was uh all of your uh 
I, I guess your English pronunciation on the walls yeah. on posters and stuff like that. But uh, cursive letters. Yeah, cursive letters. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what was your question again? <laughs> I, I, I'll, feel, I'll feel this one. Okay. Um, so it, it really was tailored to each of us. So Chef and I were both very good at math. Uh, so we pretty much, uh, after we got the basics taught by my dad, um, that was pretty much a one-on-one tutor session. So he, he you know, taught us maybe one-on-one through like first or third grade, maybe fourth grade of math. And after that, like math and science just clicked for Chef and I. So we would just go through the student workbook where they would present, you know, any, some examples and then they would have practice problems. And we would just do them. Um, we didn't really need any feedback. If we got stuck on something, uh, we would go to my dad and say, hey, can you help me figure this out? Um, and he wasn't sure. He had a teacher's manual, which actually had lesson plans in the manual that would explain how to explain the problem. Um, so as things got more advanced, he had to rely on that a little bit more. But for the most part with math and science, my brother and I were just able to teach ourselves. Now, Weston is the opposite. Um, he really struggled with math and science. So my parents just slightly, yeah, yeah, he's a lot better at now, but when he started out. Um, so my parents took a slightly different approach, had to spend a lot more time with him. And then the funny thing is I struggled with reading. Um, it was more, my mom had to really one-on-one tutor me with that uh, for a couple years. Um, you know, enunciating words. We had some uh, different like games we would play to like learn the phonics and all that stuff. Um, so it was more of a struggle. Whereas Weston, he just picked reading up. My mom barely had to teach him. So that that's one of the the really nice things about homeschooling is you have that flexibility. If you know one of your kids is really good at something, you, you don't have to spend as much time on it. Um, just having them sit in a class to be bored if they already know what they're doing. Um, and then one difference because my parents now live in West Virginia. Uh, every year, Weston has to take a standardized test uh, to show that he's meeting uh, the minimum requirements for the state. Um, it's, whereas, it's, uh, it's a test or a portfolio. So he gets to pick if he wants to present a portfolio that year or take a standardized test. So he could show like in a portfolio, he could like fill that with his arts education stuff. So he's been taking um, a co-op class, which uh, Cliff can explain more in a minute, but he's taking a co-op class, you know, it's history and it's arts related so if he wanted to, in a year he could present that instead of taking the test okay yeah so he has a couple options but speaking of the co-op that's basically where different homeschoolers get together in kind of more of a classroom setting like a couple times a week for a few hours and like someone will lead the class um like as an alternative basically almost to give parents a break from some of the subjects they, they know that they have this one class they can go and take so and a lot of schools actually uh, offer a lot more stuff now too when chef and i were getting homeschooled uh there weren't as many i think i may have been the first engineering student in rome that was homeschooled because they weren't really sure how to handle my application at least i had a very high sat score um but i kind of had to pave the way with the, the one of one student ranking um, and I think they had established that a little more by the time Chef applied. So, uh, but there's a lot more people homeschooling, it seems, nowadays than, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's interesting. Like the part where you said, um, you know, you have these co-ops and like, I was going to build off of that because a big part of school, I believe, is also the social aspect of it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the extracurriculars that go along with it, uh, the arts, sports, uh, music, whatever you name it. Uh, that social aspect is, I believe, like one of the big um, factors in part of like the school experience. So how did you guys, uh, you know, fill that void in that homeschool setting? 
I'll, I'll, I'll say that probably one of the biggest things I lost, not so much the social aspect, but probably the sports. Um, we did take like swim lessons every week. Um, and then after, you know, swim lessons each week, we would play probably like three hours of pickup basketball. And uh, we really enjoyed that. Um, most of our social aspect came through church. So we had, like Cliff mentioned earlier, we had uh, a group of guys, like was it, five, six guys or so that we really played a lot of board games with. And, you know, we played board games anywhere from a half hour long to like 48 hours long. And uh, we, we played the full spectrum of board games. Um, and of course, video games too. But uh, through church, we had kind of a program. It was called Stockade. It was kind of like a Boy Scout-esque type thing where you kind of worked through workbooks. You had all of your badges that you had to get. You know, if, if you did community service in this way, you know, you get a point and stuff like that. Um, so is it I, like the Boy Scouts type version? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was... Uh, more more church focused so so like some of the points would be like memorizing bible verses and stuff like that and um now my little brother in west virginia because it's much more rural um it, i i think uh cliff do you remember what the name of that trail life trail life so so they've started a new program it's much more similar to boy scouts and stockade was and they do a lot more active outdoor activities like you know they'll have points they have to get for uh camping so they get like if they camp 10 days, 10 nights, um, they get a point for that or, or so many points. And, you know, you build up towards that. So you have like your camping points that you're working for, your, your hiking miles that you're doing and stuff like that. So, um, and, and they're pretty close to the Shenandoah Valley. So, so you know, they're, they're going up the, the mountains, the Shenandoah Mountains. And so Blue Ridge. Blue Ridge Mountains. much, much more scenic than New Jersey is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot of places are for sure, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, so you said the social aspect came from, you know, the community from uh, from church. Would that be accurate? Okay. Yeah. And then I, Chef didn't do this as much, but I did do some co-ops too um, for a few years. Um, Chef was, I think, still like uh, at a younger age. So he wasn't in the co-op age range yet. But I think there was like two or three years where I did co-op classes Um similar to Weston's doing, you basically you go to a, a, a school and uh, they'll have a classroom set aside and all the homeschoolers will come in there and get a, a lecture from a teacher and then have an assignment for the week. So I, I, I had that as well. And then I also did swim team um, later on in my high school years uh, at the YMCA as well. So. Okay. Really cool. So it's not like you, you felt like you missed out on any uh, of the school experience. It sounds like it was pretty, well-rounded and actually tailored to you specifically and benefited uh, you yeah. know, both of you yeah. guys. I don't, I don't have any complaints. Unlike uh, doing engineering again, I, I, I would do that path <laughs> again. <so. laughs> very, very cool. So now let's talk about that. Uh, you know, how did that culminate to uh, applying to Rowan and specifically why electrical and computer engineering? So Cliff, since you applied first, let's start with you. Yeah. So uh, like Chef, and this will probably be echoed throughout this conversation. Uh, I was interested in architecture um, and I was looking around for some schools uh, that offered that. There, there aren't as many um, as I expected to have that. There's, they're kind of few and far between and the job market isn't fantastic. Um, I love playing Legos growing up. So architecture kind of appealed to me, you know, the building aspect. Um, but as I started looking, you know, after college or when I graduate, what job opportunities are there? Am I going to be able to find a good job? And 
Um, there are some good ones, but they're few and far between. So I started looking more into engineering, which still has that kind of design and building aspect uh, behind it. You can definitely take it that route. Um, so I did a summer program at Rowan. I forget what year, maybe my sophomore or junior year of high school that the engineering department at Rowan put on. And uh, they had different faculty. Uh, Phil Meese uh, particularly presented for the ECE department. I remember that. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name. I, I don't remember the names of the other guys, but I can still picture their faces. So the uh, different departments presented and I was really drawn to the ECE program. Um, from those different presentations. At the time, they had mechanical, uh, civil and environmental, and chemical were the other three options. So um, I was definitely interested in ECE, um, and I knew that there would be a good job opportunity. You could really take it any direction after graduation. Um, you know, you could go to the programming side or the hardware side or even just the engineering management side or wherever you wanted to take it. So um, I like that aspect, and that was what drew me to that program. And like uh, we said earlier, it's, it was close to our house. So I was debating between Drexel and Rowan, had good scholarships to both, but even with the scholarships, Rowan was significantly less. Um, yeah. And uh, the commute was, was far easier than going into the, uh, the Philly area. So That's funny you say that. I remember when I, got, I applied to similar schools as well. So when I got my Drexel acceptance, I believe the scholarship they gave me was more than a tuition at Rowan. Yeah, still same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember it was still cheaper to go to Rowan, and I just liked the program a lot better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a small program, very uh, close knit group of friends, and and one less there. year of college because Drexel is a five year school, and I did not want to be in college for five years. Yeah, if you did the the built in co op, yeah, agreed. So very cool. And Chef, uh, what about your path? How did you decide to? Uh, uh, I won't say follow in the footsteps of Cliff, but you know, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I never really, I guess, made the connection, but like, like I really enjoyed building things as well. You know, Legos, connects, you know, all those toys you're accustomed to as a kid. And um, I enjoyed math. So, so I, I kind of wanted to do something in the math realm, but I wasn't really sure what that was. I had never actually coded or programmed anything in high school. So um, I was like not at all thinking like computer science or anything like that. Um, but video games were very interesting to me, like, like computers I always found really fascinating. And, and again, this is really before smartphones really became really popular. Everyone was still using flip phones when I was applying. Um, but you just dated us, Chef. I, I know it's it's <laughs> like like I didn't get a smartphone until I was in college because I, I don't know I had a flip phone I, I think my freshman year. Um, maybe I was behind the curve a little bit. I, th I think the iPhone came out in two thousand six, two thousand seven. I think seven. I mean, it was um, a pretty big luxury to have that, especially it as was. Yeah, I yeah. I had a, one of those brick phones for the longest time. Yep, yep. Um, but anyhow, um. I, I guess I, I was looking at architectural engineering because uh, one of my hobbies growing up, I, I love to draw. And I was like, well, if I could draw, I could build, you know, do a little bit of math, architectural engineering. Um, I think Drexel had a program for that. Um, but like you said, applied to Drexel. I think I got a 50% scholarship, but after, after uh, living on campus, I would have been like still 200K in debt. And I was just like, I was doing the math. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Um, so I, I think I applied to Drexel, Widener, and Rowan. 
um, offer engineering programs. Um, before I had picked the discipline I wanted to do at Rowan, I was kind of talking with uh, one of my brother's classmates and um, I don't know if you know this about me and Cliff, but we're very competitive. <laughs> he might not know, but um, uh, I've always been trying to like one up him or at least stay like in lockstep with him. You know, I tried never to let him get uh, one over me um, in, in a, in a very friendly, constructive way, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so I, I didn't really want to do something, you know, less challenging than what he was doing with electrical and computer engineering. And I remember one his classmate said, uh, well, if you want your life to be easier, do mechanical engineering. <laughs> and, and that for me was like, well, I guess I can't do mechanical engineering now. Was that classmate also electrical engineer? <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, he was one of my uh, close classmates, uh, Dave. And uh, yeah, now, I'm sure that that was a little bit biased because I, I could hear the ME guys. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, debating everyone, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only ones that wouldn't debate that would be the civvies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is such uh, a nerd joke right here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My apologies if any civvies are listening. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I ended up with electrical computer engineering. I had already met some of my brother's professors, uh, most notably um, uh, the one at the VR lab, uh, George Lee Cakes. And because uh, Cliff had done some 3D modeling for them using um, uh, uh, Autodesk tools, which if you're not familiar with, is kind of like um, if you're watching a movie, it's like all the CGI uh, would be done through 3D modeling. They'll make a 3D representation of something and kind of sub out some of the details. Um, but we, we used VR a lot more for, or I guess I should say after I got into college, we used VR a lot more for uh, uh, engineering purposes. Um, so Cl Cliff could actually talk to a lot more of the projects of that, but we probably won't get into that. Um, so I, I guess that's how I ended up at Rowan. Okay, so very cool. So both of you guys chose Rowan, and um, like I mentioned earlier, we spent hours and hours and hours in the engineering building working on projects, uh, you know, slaving through some, you know, concepts that still don't make sense to us today. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> magnets yeah. man <laughs> learning enough to <laughs> learning enough to uh get by and uh, you know, we both made it in uh, or all three of us made it out in four years and i wanted to understand life after Rowan university as well so talk about the career path that uh that degree shaped for you guys um cliff let's start with you again yeah so uh, i interned at the virtual reality lab um all three summers and even a little bit after graduating there um, and then my last two summers and Christmas breaks, I interned with the Federal Aviation Administration, and they picked me up full time afterwards. Um, funnily, or funny enough, not funnily, funny enough, I uh, also got hired at Lockheed because the FAA uh, didn't have their budget approved, so they didn't give me a formal offer until I think two days before I graduated. The FAA called me up and said, "Hey, uh, we can finally give you an offer." Like, well, I accepted a job at Lockheed. They're already doing background checks, um, but I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Um, so needless to say, I, I did end up going back with the FAA. Um, I, I really enjoy the work I do there. I work on the air traffic control systems, testing those um, large scale tests, 40, 50 people, bringing them in from uh, all over the country to, to test new functionality that's not out in the field, new software and new uh, hardware for controlling the air traffic 
uh, in the U.S. And, and overseas as well. So I, I really enjoy that work. I've been there 11 years. Um, I did keep working in the virtual reality lab uh, doing 3D modeling that Chef uh, mentioned uh, for the last for one summer after I graduated. I had some fun doing that. And then uh, uh, for the last, I guess, four to five years, I've been working with one of my friends. Uh, he started a company um, just kind of by accident where he put up a YouTube video and then he kept putting up more YouTube videos working on BMWs and started becoming dealers for, for parts. And eventually he quit his uh, day job and did that full time and can, still does that full time, very successful. And uh, I've worked for him, I think, since uh, the second car he worked on about four years ago, maybe even five now. Uh, and I do all the installation work there. And then uh, if that wasn't enough on my plate, uh, me and another classmate that graduated a year after me at Rowan started working at the FAA and we started a YouTube channel together also working on cars. Um, so, uh, you know, I like to keep learning and keep growing. And um, so we, we started that YouTube channel is doing pretty well. And uh, I guess the only other thing I did of note uh, was I finished up my master's at Rowan in 2015. I took an easy route. This is one place where Chef definitely uh, outdid me. He, he's doing a much harder master's. I'll let him tell you more about that in a second, but he's one class away from finishing that. I did a fluffy engineering management master's, and uh, it was a, a cakewalk compared to my undergrad for sure, <laughs> um, but uh, more applicable to the route I want to go with uh, my degree. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, that's basically my uh, brief synopsis of the last uh, eight to nine years since I graduated. Very cool. And I think you're being a little bit humble in the engineering management uh, degree. I definitely agree. It's probably easier than, you know, the undergrad that we went through. Uh, but I think the description would be the MBA for engineers is the engineering management. Is that yeah. fair? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a business degree for engineers. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure cool. it's helped you out as well, you know, with uh, your YouTube channel and uh, most especially working uh, more in the management role at the FAA. No, it definitely has helped. So that's kind of the, the route I'm going. I'm, I'm kind of I'm a, a lead system engineer now. So um, a lot of it was very applicable and is very applicable to what I do. Very cool. And uh, Chef, talk, about, talk us about your career path. Uh, I think uh, Cliff kind of alluded that you finally one-upped him in, uh, uh, you know, your master's degree. Well, he, he, he one-upped me in the undergrad, so, so he's still got a better GPA than me, even though I try to uh, stay in lockstep with him. But I guess we both graduated in four years, and that's, that's what matters. Uh, but let's see. Uh, I, I guess, well, I'll, I'll say again, I uh, in high school I never coded you know I was in undergrad you know I was kind of scared to death of coding and um, I also did work at the VR lab I really stayed away from coding because there was coding there but I uh, chose to stay on the 3d modeling side of the house um, I, sophomore year I had an internship with the FA and I had a little bit of a different experience than Cliff did uh, didn't quite love the work that I was doing there. Um, you were stuck in a small building off to yep. the side. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was oddly enough, um, it was a cockpit simulator because they looked at my resume and they're like, oh, you did VR lab, you know, you're gonna like this cockpit simulator. And um, it was neat, but the work wasn't really fun. So um, uh, I guess junior year, uh, Lockheed had a couple uh, people kind of embedded with the engineering program and want to observe uh, one of their clinics. 
And um, if you're not familiar, a clinic, well, I know you're familiar with Arva, but if anyone's not familiar with it, a clinic is basically um, being a grad student as an undergrad for a professor. So it's, it's like you're working on a professor's project. So it's a purely a project-based class. And if the professor thinks you did well, you know, you get an A. Yeah, you know, there's no assignments, no finals or anything like that. Yeah, the way I would describe that, like most folks are familiar with, is uh, like a capstone project uh, right. that most universities do, except we do that pretty much every year at Rowan. Yeah, junior, senior year. Yeah. Um, so Lockheed had a couple uh, clinics that they were observing, and uh, the spring semester they picked uh, a handful of us, and they said we wanted you to be part of our clinic. Um, I, I think it was 18 of us that they were observing and they picked five of the engineers there. So um, of the five of us, uh, they offered internships to three of us, I think, and then two of us uh, accepted those internships. So, uh, so junior year internship with Lockheed, uh, really loved it, did a lot of Java stuff. Um, wasn't really familiar with Java. Like I said, I always stayed away from coding. So this was kind of, you know, my baptism by fire. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I felt like they gave me a real project to work on. And uh, so as soon as they sent me an offer, I, I just like, I'll take it. So I started at Lockheed as a data analyst. Um, got a little bit bored of that. Asked to move to a development team. Uh, went into some heavy development languages like C++, uh, did a lot of Python on the side for uh, other stuff. Um, and recently I've been doing a lot of C Sharp. So somewhere down the line, I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta figure out computer science before they figure out I don't know anything. So I started a <laughs> computer science uh, master's degree at uh, Georgia Tech. Um, just going to be finishing that up in a couple months here so uh last class starts on monday um so i'll be that's exciting Congrats. yeah it is it's it's very exciting i'm going to be bored after it. i don't know what to do with my life <laughs> um, <laughs> i still remember we had uh, a class together i forget what it, i think it was uh, computer architecture and we uh, were Schmazel? using c plus plus uh i don't remember the professor now <laughs> uh oh oh um you tank? was it data structures uh, no. No, no, no. This was like computer oh. architecture, not data structure. This okay. was a like a comp sci class we had to take. You yeah, yeah. Had, so that was data Lynn? structures for engineers, right? It was the um, the older guy. Yeah, exactly him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forget his name. Uh, what was his name? It started with an S. You can cut this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Point I was trying to make is uh, I remember when we first started coding. Uh, we started in C++ and I remember our first days learning code together and I'm glad to see you evolve that into, you know, your full career path. So yeah. I'm glad to say we took our first steps in that field together. Yep. That was uh, that was a very terrifying experience at the time. I'm, I'm still scared <laughs> of programming. I, I just always <laughs> stayed away from it. <laughs> and then, you know, what I would describe programming to folks that are not very familiar, like imagine movies like The Social Network and, you know, uh, shows like The Wire where they code really fast and find answers really quick. Well, it's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <Yeah. laughs> Especially uh, if there's pretty graphics on the screen. You no, know, it's, it's just text. 
It's all text. Yep. <laughs> the way I would describe it, and Chef uh, and Cliff, correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically translating, um, you know, logic from your head to computer code, where the computer can understand everything you want to do in ones and zeros. So on and off. Yep. And that's how it works. It's pretty incredible if you take a step back and think about it. Yeah. If, yep. if you want to dig date, uh, dig a little bit deeper, like I, I remember our uh, electronics two class where we talk about how flipping those ones and zeros is just applying a charge to let electrons go through and removing the charge to stop them. Right. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I like how that's how you're describing a transistor. <laughs> it is. Uh, Okay, very, very cool. got deep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's uh -huh. going to go over so many people's head. <laughs> uh, so now let's uh, switch gears a little bit and walk me through uh, outside of your successful careers. And Cliff, I know you do a lot of uh, uh, things on the side as well. Uh, what is something you guys do for fun where, you know, you're not uh, just an engineer, but enjoying life outside of that? So the, the YouTube channel is something I, I really enjoy doing. Um, uh, I started that with one of uh, my classmates at Rowan, Pete D'Amico. He graduated in uh, 13. I graduated in 12. And um, through a series of events, he ended up sitting, I think, about six cubes away from me. And I spent way too much of my time at work at his cube talking to him about cars. But The uh, reason why I didn't join the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't have a good comeback to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he, we ended up uh, working together and we actually do work on some uh, work projects together. So it's always funny when he ends up being in a, a meeting that I'm in for, for work stuff. And it's like, wait, we shouldn't be doing YouTube or something right now. It feels weird. Um, but yeah, we, him and I both liked cars a lot. Uh, we, we enjoy working on vehicles, driving vehicles, and we were uh, trying to, to learn different things. Uh, I, at least I was trying to pick his brain. He, he was a lot more knowledgeable about automobiles than I was. I just had the basics. And uh, so we started doing some projects. I helped him with some stuff on his cars. He helped me a lot more with stuff on my cars. And I said, hey, we're doing this anyway. Let's make a YouTube channel. Um, one of my friends who had started the BMW business on the side also uh, started from a YouTube channel. And uh, he was uh, generating a lot of success from that. So that made me interested. I was like, hey, let's, you know, do something that'll help fund this passion we have without, you know, draining our bank accounts. So um, we started a YouTube channel about three years ago, working on our cars and just doing DIY projects. And I have a lot of, lot of fun doing that. And I found that I actually really enjoy video editing a lot. Um, a, a significant amount when you watch a, you know, we're getting ready to put up a like 50 minute video tomorrow, which is the longest one we've done so far. I think I probably have 60 hours of edit time in that video um, as a conservative estimate. Um, there, there's a lot, when you watch a five minute, a, good, a well done five minute YouTube video, there's at least 20 to 30 hours behind that video. It looks um, as enjoyable as 3D modeling. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't that, think a lot of people understood that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I get it. Um, it doesn't look enjoyable. <laughs> no, it, it's definitely a monotonous uh, task. You have to enjoy what you're doing to, to have fun with it. But I do that. Um, I still play a lot of board games. A lot of that, uh, those friends that were in that core group growing up, we still hang out with. Um, one of them just stopped by today and um, there, there's two or three of them that we hang out. And then we picked up a couple more through college. And we still hang out and with the lockdown right now, we've been video chatting almost every night. And 
Uh, mm -hmm. So a lot of board games, I still like Legos, um, but I'd say my biggest passion after graduating and having a little more free time is working on cars for sure. So what is the YouTube channel called, Cliff? Uh, it's called the Sunday Drive, um, but like an ice cream Sunday because Pete and I were trying to be creative and we like ice cream, so. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I dabble in YouTube as well, but nowhere as you know, professional as you guys do on your channel. Oh, I don't, but. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is more of just like travel vlogs where uh, it actually started when I moved away from home. Uh, you know, my parents would ask, like, what did you do today? And, you know, I, w I, w I would just uh, have a lot of footage on my phone or a camera, uh, just a hobby that I'd picked up over the years. So I decided, let's try this YouTube thing. And the first video I put up, like, you know, was very well received. So I kept doing it. And to Cliff's point, editing like a one minute is equivalent of like one hour's of work. So that ratio is yeah. just very lopsided. Yeah. No one gets to see the behind the scenes on that. Um, so I learned like a little bit of appreciation for, for that process a lot. So I can definitely, you know, respect what you're describing there, Cliff. And the cool thing about uh, editing travel vlogs is that you get to relive all those memories again when you're editing those videos. So I'm sure the same applies to you, Cliff, when uh, you're going through, uh, you probably like learn 10 times more while editing that video on what you did yeah. while you're doing it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. The video I was editing, uh, it was a big project installing a lift kit on a truck. And we uh, shot it last summer. We were, Pete and I were still figuring a lot of stuff out with filming. Uh, so as I was editing it, I'm like, well, we made a mistake there. I got to add some text overlay here to explain. Well, don't actually do what we're doing here. This was a mistake now <laughs> that I'm watching this again. Um, but yeah, it's fun to go back through. Uh, Finch uh, was in a lot of the videos for this one. So he, he is always uh, good for some comic relief. So I was definitely cracking up. Uh, <laughs> Brian Finch so is our mutual friend back from back in college. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I actually uh, work with him now. Which is, yeah. Oh, he's Finch does yeah, he, he left uh, Atlantic City Electric and I got him an interview with my manager. My manager's like, well, he's going to go on your team. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> that came but, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, uh, no, he, he's, he's a really good coworker. So he's, he kind of, uh, he wanted to get away from the electrical side of the house and get into the coding side. So now he's full on computer engineering. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting. That's just kind of one example you have to show you, like, you know, you can take multiple directions from the ECE degree. Yeah, and so ECE, like, he did power electronics before, yep. and now he's in computer engineering. Yeah, and he um, got, uh, from Rowan, he got a master's in electrical computer engineering, and oh, he started at Rowan, and, um, or sorry, he started at Lockheed, and since he's been at Lockheed, he also started the Georgia Tech uh, computer science master's, as well as a... Uh, Cornell systems engineering masters. So, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say more than that, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, th there's a lot of different, uh, paths you can take just to throw one more layer onto that. Gotcha. Sorry, Cliff, we didn't mean, uh, you know, mean to steal your thunder on, on your YouTube videos. <laughs> oh no, no, it's all good. Yeah. So Finch, he likes, uh, he actually comes and helps us a lot with the car stuff. He likes doing it too. So, um, and we, we've done some videos on his vehicles, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it for me as far as, uh, my extracurricular activities. So I do well, like hiking. I'm sure Chef will bring that up. Him and I have done some oh, yeah. really fun hiking trips, so <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I'll let him go into that. <laughs> yeah. So Chef, uh, what does fun look like for you? Well, I guess outside hiking, <laughs> uh, well, 
master's degree, I, I kind of still feel like I'm in college because it is a pretty intensive degree. So I had, I took like a year and a half off between the two degrees, but, um, uh, it is, takes up a lot of my time. So like when I do finish a class, I'm like, well, I don't know what to do now. Um, but we have planned a few hiking trips over the years. So I, I think, uh, for a graduation gift to myself, um, I said I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, Yosemite out in California, and uh, I owe it to Cliff. So, like, while I was taking finals my senior year, he was planning a whole trip to the Grand Canyon. He got all the hotels, the flights, and, you know, we did the ceremony. We walked. Um, I got in a car, took off the Catholic gown, drove to the airport, and we were uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona by, I think it was like 4 a.m. So... After that, did a couple hikes in Grand Canyon and just completely realized how out of shape I was from all the years of engineering. <laughs> um, so we, we hiked down to the Colorado River and back and, you know, ignored all the signs that said, you know, if you go down to the river, stay down there for a night. Um, so lessons learned. And then uh, it was fine. You did it in one day. It was fine. Yeah, we did it in one day. It was uh, like 18.5 miles, I think. Yeah, we we got that back. What's the yep. elevation change on that? I think it was it was I think nine thousand, like up and down. Like I think it was nine thousand. Yeah, I think it was got like it. a mile down, a mile up, and um, yeah, we got back up in the pitch black. You know, so it was a cloudy <laughs> day. Like like when we were going down, it was actually snowing, and um, we got back up. It was pitch black. It was all cloudy, so no moon, no stars, and there's no buildings around, so there's zero light. We're hanging on to the wall <laughs> as we're climbing up back the, the the canyon. So it was, and of course, like you know, this is the first hike we did, so we were like, didn't think about flashlights and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, but since then, I think the past two years we did two trips to Maine, and uh, I think that first hike, like literally, you know, heart to top, like you literally just jumped in <laughs> into the. Oh, deep we end jumped in the one. deep end so hard. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the one friend we went with is like, yeah, like that was terrible. And then we took him on another hike into um, Acadia. And we were planning on a hike in one mountain. And then we were like, oh, let's take this other route back. Well, this other route, looking on the map, it's, you know, it's just a straight line. But it took us over two other mountains. <laughs> so, you didn't look at the concentric circles next no, to the map. No. We did. No. I knew what was coming, but I just pretended. No, it's easy. Let's go. <laughs> so we blame Cliff. He was the guy, and you know, our friend that also went with us on the Grand Canyon. He said, "I'm never hiking with you guys again. You just turned everything into a death march." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, um, I also enjoy hiking a lot, and uh, I would love to go on some adventures with you guys as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I have this mission of climbing the highest peak in every state I can. And I know that out of the 50 states, there's some that, you know, are Mount Everest level. Type Alaska. Of yeah, Alaska. <laughs> Was it Mount so, Denali? Uh, that will be like a lifetime goal. But till then, uh, there are a lot of states that have just, uh, you know, uh, average to hard hikes. <laughs> yeah. So far, I've done five, but uh, I would love to uh, conquer one state with you guys if you're ever interested. Right, where'd you? Where? Where have you done so far? So I've done uh, New Mexico was the first. That was about thirteen thousand five hundred feet. It's um. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that significant. Was, that's a good one. Yeah. What was it called? Mount. Uh, and that was a day trip. That was a day trip. Yeah. Wow. We so well the thing is we go I. 
my plan is to do it in a weekend. So I go the night before, like after Friday, we leave after work and go directly set up our camp that night and then wake up super, super early, eat some breakfast and start the hike like as soon as like the sun comes up. Wow. Uh, and then by the time we make it back, we have our tent already set up, which is the best like tip yep. I could give. Just have a yep. tent set up after a long <laughs> yeah. hike <laughs> and you just, you know, wipe out for the night and uh, wake up the next day. And then you could, you know, unwind as slowly as you can and drive back to your home base. Yep. So yeah, I've done New Mexico. I've done Colorado. I've done, uh, so that was the first 14, 14, 14er I did, so 14,000 feet. And I've done um, New Jersey, which is a cakewalk. I think it's like. Uh, so that's the Delaware River Gap or? No, it's uh, somewhere in North Jersey. It's called uh, High Point. It's literally okay. called High Point. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That makes I've sense. been on that one a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it, it feels like a cakewalk. I didn't to even know it was the highest peak. It was, the, yeah, it's the highest peak. <laughs> um, although I have to say the day that I went, the tower was closed. So I guess I didn't climb up to the man-made structure, but I still hold true to the point that I climbed the sure. tower's peak sure. that's not man-made. And then uh, I've done New York, so Mount Marcy. And then Vermont, which is uh, Mount Washington. No, Washington's no. Uh, New Hampshire. New Hampshire, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've done all the new states except for New Hampshire. So <laughs> that's on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess last year, last September, uh, Cliff and I and uh, Pete, the guy Cliff does the YouTube channel with, uh, we hiked Mount Catadin in Maine. Uh, which is, I believe, the highest peak in Maine. And then after that, we drove down to uh, New Hampshire, and I had busted my knee and uh, beat up my feet pretty bad on the first hike, so I kind of sat that one out. I drove them to Mount Washington in the morning, and then I picked them up, like, was it like eight hours later on the other side of the mountain? So, um, so it was Cliff, probably more than eight hours, I think, because yeah. you, you dropped us off, I think, like five – 30 or five in the morning Yeah, it was pitch black out so. and uh we hiked up and then there's a presidential uh line of mountains basically they're all named for presidents and i yeah, think like we have jefferson or something and yeah there's like six or seven we hiked like four or five of them um and then we we went down and unfortunately the pass we chose to go down like it didn't look bad on the map nothing like that and it, it went to a back road and we had walkie talkies so we could talk to chef when he got close um, but they weren't very good, unfortunately. Yeah, research know. walkie-talkies before you buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but unfortunately, Pete's knee was hurting him. And when we went down, it was pretty much like a straight drop-off almost, like just going down. But uh, that was a fun hike. But yeah, it was more than eight hours. I think you probably picked this up around five. It was probably like 12. Yeah, it might have been 12. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of lessons learned on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but those make for some of the best memories as well. Oh, they do. Yeah. So yeah, next time uh, let's plan a hike together, and uh, you know, let's uh, conquer a highest peak somewhere nearby here. Yeah, Sounds we good. we want to do Catadin again, and uh, I I have I haven't done Washington yet, so maybe we could do that. Yeah, Washington's right. a much easier hike, but they're both beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And they're well, both on the Appalachian Trail. So. Agreed. Yeah, that's actually that's where my love for hiking started. When I was down in Virginia, I started the Appalachian Trail. Oh really? Not not like going from trailhead to trailhead but you would just pick a trailhead uh trailhead per weekend and do the climb but uh i haven't done the highest peak in virginia yet but that sounds awesome 
Uh, and uh, the last, uh, you know, segment I always cover in this podcast is you know, we've become very good friends, spent a lot of hours together at our time at Rowan. Uh, if there's one piece of advice you have for me, what would that be? And it could be like for me specifically or, you know, the way uh, you carry your life motto as well. Uh, Cliff, you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Um, let me think about that for a second. So I guess um, don't be afraid to challenge yourself. Always do something that's going to challenge yourself, but also do something that you're going to enjoy too. Just don't do something hard because it's hard to say that you did it, but do something that you're going to enjoy along the way. Um, for me, engineering was, was very challenging, but I also had made a lot of friends. I, I enjoyed the whole journey. Um, you know, just like hiking, go to do a hike. It's very hard. It's very challenging, but you enjoy the, the, the time you're spending with friends and the view at the top. So do something that's, that's hard, that's challenging. Don't just do things that are easy just to get by. Um, and just don't pick something hard, like doing three masters like Finch, just because you can. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd say always try to challenge yourself, but also challenge yourself with things that you enjoy doing. And Chef, uh, how about you, buddy? Uh, I think I would say, I guess it's pretty similar, but like never really stop learning so so again don't just do three masters just to say hey i'm not like i, I want to keep learning but I, I would more kind of like say diversify like a, as you kind of reach a a peak of, of understanding of something don't be afraid to branch out and and i feel like with a lot of i know i, I think a lot of co about coding in particular and with coding like any language you can you can just drill so deep into one thing but like it's good to expand your horizons like you know all right well i know this language really well let me kind of try this other one um and, and having that desire to just like understand it on a deeper level um is really good i, I see a lot of people sometimes who just like they're very content with how much they have learned and never really tried to move past that and they think, well, I'm good at this one thing. And then, you know, that, that's me. Um, so I, I would say just always keep learning, always keep drilling deep. And when you're drilled deep enough, you know, expand. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I formulate that in a great way, but uh, I, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I think both solid advices and you guys are, living examples of uh, what you described, you know, Chef, for you, you said uh, the keep learning aspect, I could definitely see from back in our college days, I remember there were times when we would have some challenging assignments and, you know, first time in our lives, we would probably get some bad grades that comes with the territory of engineering, but I always remember you would just accept what the situation was and just, you know, hit the books again. I never yeah. saw you complain and uh, rethink your decision. You were always driven to achieve what you set out for. So I really respect that about you. Well, everything Cliff, ends eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you never took the easy way out. Uh, so I respect that a lot. And just your drive to keep learning. Definitely. Uh, you know, I fed off of that. And then Cliff, I remember, even though you guys uh, were what, three years ahead of us, um, uh, freshman year for chef and I, you guys kind of took us under your wing, showed us the way and, uh, really showed the passion carries just outside of the classroom. And I think you show that in your life as well, where not only your day job, but also 
this YouTube channel and the side hustle, I would call it, uh, keeps you going as well. So uh, I really respect that about you um, and just the sheer uh, love and passion you show in what you do. So I really loved catching up and I can't wait till we plan our hike together uh, and uh, enjoy that. And then last thing I want to say is you guys mentioned Legos a lot. So I'm not sure if you are familiar with the show Lego Masters. Have you heard of it? I've heard yeah, of it. I've been, I've been meaning to watch it. I've been, my little brother's been telling me how good it is. So yeah, I think he loves Legos class. too. Just <laughs> <laughs> And so do I, except I don't, uh, you know, have as many uh, Lego sets as you guys have. Like, Cliff, just looking behind in the background, you have like four uh, sets right You're there. an engineer. <laughs> you can buy them if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I will sit down and play Legos anytime mm. of the day. Like, even yeah. like Ikea furniture, like, I love putting it together. <laughs> yeah, same. It's like same. adult Lego. <laughs> it's like, oh, thing. that's so cool. That's how they do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool that I get to do that at my job, too, where, you know, I'm very hands on in what I do. Uh, but what I wanted to end with is I would really like to see you two as a team on that show. Oh, that'd, be, so, that'd be awesome. <laughs> take a take a look. And I'm being 100% serious when I say this. So when you guys do actually go on the show, I want a shout out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. We'll make sure if we go on the show that you get a shout out. Uh, let's not put the if. Remember, you just gave me life advice. So let's carry that <laughs> and channel it to this because I, would, I think you guys would be a perfect fit for that show and actually do really, really well. So check the show out, apply, and uh, you know, hopefully, I'll be seeing you on prime time. All right, we'll All see right. you there. <laughs> Sounds All right, good. Good, good catching up, guys. Uh, take care. Bye -bye. All right, take care. See ya. There's a quote by Bill Nye that says, "Everyone you'll ever meet." know something you don't and today i learned challenge yourself to keep on learning and you'll be surprised at what you can achieve thanks chef and cliff mm -hmm.